Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Psalm 150. I heard somebody's Facebook Live going, that reminded me. Get on Facebook and share this. Go to the river and find the live, the live stream and share it. Psalm 150. And starting in verse 1. Where are my praisers at before we start? I could, I could just barely hear you. Help me. Help me. Help me today. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Father, thank you for today. And thank you for this word. And I ask that every heart and every mind, Lord, that you would pour out mercy and grace to open our hearts and minds to hear you, that we would have the eyes of our understanding opened, that we would see you, that we would hear you, that we would experience you, and that we would aptly receive that which you're pouring out today, that we could apply it to our lives. Help us to take this word and to give glory to you. Help us to take this word and to edify people throughout the week. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good praise. A praising people are a power-filled people. People who praise are full of power. A praising church is a power-filled church. There is a big difference when you go to the house of God on Sunday And for an hour and a half that you could hear a pin drop and everybody's scared to move, 
And then when you go into a church and people are running around the room and swinging from the chandeliers and shouting, praise the Lord. Now, I know people that are scared of wildfire. They say, I don't know about everything going on in that church. It looked like wildfire. Well, I'd take wildfire before no fire at all. And it is easier to restrain a fanatic than it is to raise a corpse. So give me a church that's too loud before giving me a church that's too quiet. Give me a church where the children know they have freedom to dance in the aisles and the grown-ups too. Give me a church where people don't feel inhibited that when they hear something that resonates with their spirit, that they can lift their hand and shout, thank you, Jesus. Give me a church that will clap and shout. Give me a church because a praising church is a power-filled church. This is what I want to tell you today. There is power. Somebody shout power. There is power in your praise. There is power in your praise. Now, that preach is cute, but I want us to get it on the inside of us that there is real power whenever I praise God. That there, yet something happens. There is strength in my praise. It's important. I cannot make it through this life victoriously if I'm not a praiser. I have to be a praiser and a worshiper if I am going to make it through this thing victorious. There is power in your praise. Now, while God is worthy of your praise no matter what, because when we think about praise, we think about saying thank you. Somebody does something for you, and it is the correct thing to do to express gratitude. If somebody does something for you, if somebody gives you a gift, if somebody gives you their time, if somebody gives you help, if somebody blesses you, it is only right to show appreciation. That's praise. That's praise. And while God is always worthy of your praise no matter what, it also just so happens that your praise also actually produces something. Your praise is more than simply you saying, God, thank you. And then God says, you're welcome. And thank you for saying thank you. And you're welcome for the thank you. So this is going a while. Your praise is not simply the act of you did something and I'm grateful. But your praise actually produces something. It is not simply showing your appreciation for a thing, 
There is something that your praise accomplishes. There is something that your praise goes out and does in the atmosphere of your life and in the atmosphere of your mind. There are things that are actually taking place in the spirit, in the invisible, which will also cross over into the visible whenever you praise. There is power in your praise. Your praise actually does something. It does something. So there is not only a reason to your praise, but there is also a purpose in your praise. Praise is not only a response to what God has done, it is also the release of his power for what you need now. I want to say it again. Praise is not only a response to what God has done, it is also the release of his power that you need right now. Praise. Praise. Do you remember when Jehoshaphat and his men were fighting against the Ammonites and the Moabites and those of Mount Seir. And this is what was said, 2 Chronicles 20, 17. The word of the Lord came to them in this war, in this battle. And the word of the Lord said this, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Wouldn't it be great in your battle right now? that you are fighting, that you are struggling, that you are wrestling, that you are warring, if the voice of the Lord showed up to you and said, "Uh, you don't have to fight, you just chill, you can just relax, you shall not need to fight in this battle, set yourselves and stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, Fear not. Fear doesn't help you. You might have something to legitimately be afraid of, but being afraid does not help you to come against it any more than not being afraid. Fear not, nor be dismayed. It is not time to lose your mind. It is not time to say all is lost. It is not time to give up hope. It is not time to say, well, what will we do? Because God knows what to do. I've got a great big God in my corner. And if God be for you, then who shall be against you? Fear not. Don't be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. We've been, we've been praying, God, get me away from it. And God says, no. No, I will not get you away from it. Go out against it, and I'll go with you. God doesn't tuck tail and run. God's not trying to get out of the battle. God is going into the battle, and God is winning the war. We don't try to get away from problems. Problems try to get away from us.
There's only one thing I want to hear from the devil in my life. There's only one thing that I want to hear the devil say, and it's this. May I please leave? The devil has far more to worry about me coming against him than I do him coming against me. Because I read the back of the book. We win. Go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. That's a great position in worship, in, in warfare rather, a position of worship. The first thing when, it, when the problem comes is that we get on our face before God. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and, of the, chil- and the children of the Korites stood up to praise, somebody shout praise, Praise. to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people... He's giving them their pep talk. He's giving them their pregame. He's telling them the play. He appointed singers. This seems like a funny war tactic. He appointed singers unto the Lord. And that they should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And they begin to sing and they begin to praise. When they begin to sing and begin to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. And they were smitten. God told them, you won't have to fight in this battle. You will just get out in the enemy's face and give me glory. And when you give me glory in the face of what's wrong, I'll show what's wrong what's up. If you will praise me in the midst of adversity, if you will praise me in the storm, if you'll praise me in the problem, if you'll worship me in what's wrong, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. You remember last week we talked about Gideon. He was battling against the Midianites. And they had a funny tactic of war, too. Judges 7 and 18. When I blow with a trumpet, and all that are with me, can you imagine this in war? Think about our men that have been over in the Middle East. 
what if, what if our government, instead of giving them M16s, gave them bugles? And what if they said, we'll drive you out in the middle of them in big cargo trucks, and when we drop the ramp, they're going to be everywhere with guns, and you come out blowing your bugle. Think about it. When I blow with a trumpet and all that are with me, then blow your trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, you remember, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the, in the beginning of the middle watch. So this is like midnight-ish. And they had but newly set the watch. They changed the guard. And they blew the trumpets. And they break the pitchers. You remember this little light of mine? They were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hand to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood, every man in his place, round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried like little babies and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Beth Shittah and Zareth, and to the border of Abel-Mahola unto Tebath. They went out. The first story we read, they appointed singers who went out in a row, and they worshiped God in front of the army. This one, they go, and they start blowing trumpets in praise to the Lord and just declaring the word of the Lord, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And just like the Lord set ambushments in the first battle, in this one, he turns the enemy against them, against their self. You know, Proverbs says that the trap that the enemy set for you, he will fall in. You see, I've got a promise that no weapon that is formed against me, the first promise, the first promise is that weapons would be formed against me. The promise was not that I wouldn't have any problems, Vince. The problem is that when the weapon is formed, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will show to be in the wrong. And then I'm glad he didn't say it was just for them, but he put a little P.S. He said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So if they could have it then, I could have it now. I'm the servant of the Lord. So no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. No lie will prosper. No attack will prosper. No battle will prosper because I'm the servant of the Lord. Got another one for you. You might remember this guy. Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And you remember what happened is that they were going to go to the city and take the city. They were going to overtake the enemy, which had the city. 
But cities at this time were surrounded by great walls. You couldn't just walk into the city. You had to know how to get through the wall. And it would have taken a long time and a lot of battering rams and a lot of horsepower. So God gave them a funny plan. He said, you're going to go. And for seven days, he said, you will walk around that city. Seven days. Seven days. And we could talk about the number one and two and three and on and so forth, but we'll, we'll just get up to. Number six is the number of man. And man was made on day six. And so whenever you see six, it is the number of self. It is the number of humanity. It is the number of our own works. It is the number of human weakness and frailty. It is the number of I can't. Uh, we call the mark of the beast 666, six, six, which is really uh, me, myself, and I. Come on. It is, that's the, that's the enemy's whole game is 666. Six, six. It is self, self, self. Self. It's a good thing that Joshua did not stop walking around on day self. I've got to say that after six days, you probably would have been tired of walking this whole army around the whole city. You would have come to the end of yourself, which is very appropriate on day six. The greatest day in your life is when you come to the end of yourself. Because at the end of you is the beginning of God. You will never know victory until you learn to be dependent on God. Not when you come to the place that you say, I'm dependent on God. When you come to the place that you are dependent on God. The best thing about rock bottom is there's nowhere to look but up. So sometimes God will put you there. God will allow life circumstances to bring you to that place where you say, oh, it really is just God or I'm out. So they walked around for six days. He said, you're going to walk around for six days. Walking, 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 exhausting yourself. It's work. It's work. But on seven, you're going to stop. And you are going to blow the trumpets, and you are going to shout. You see, for six days, you are endless, exhausting. But when you come to the end of yourself, you stop, and you throw your hands up, and you give God the praise. That's where we find our story. Joshua 6 and 5. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout, which we'd have to learn a lot of Hebrew to really appreciate our Bible. The word praise, there are like 13 or something praises, but one of those is shabak. It is a shabak praise. It is a shout, and this shout is a shabak. And it is a, a war cry to declare victory. 
Too many Christians, their prayer is only victim. Say, I pray every day. No, you whine every day. You complain every day. You bellyache the other day, every day. If I was outside the church, I'd tell you another way what you do every single day. That's not prayer. Prayer is faith-filled. Prayer is, I'm bringing this to you because I know you can do something about it and you can give me the wisdom to do what I'm supposed to do about it. And you begin to shabak and you say, you know what, God, I haven't seen it yet. But since I'm asking you, I may as well go ahead and start praising you for it right now. He said, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. And whatsoever things you believe you have received, past tense, you shall have future tense. And that's because it already belongs to you in the spirit. It already belongs to you in the kingdom. It already belongs to you in the cross. It already belongs to you in the blood. Jesus said it is finished. There's nothing left for God to do. He's already done it. It's stored up in a bank vault in heaven with my name on it and signed in the red blood of Jesus. And when I praise, I unlock the vault and make a withdrawal. I'm making a withdrawal from the first bank of heaven. I'm not convincing God to heal me. I'm taking my healing out of the bank that already belongs to me. And the people shall shout with a great shout, Shabbat. And when they do, the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. God says, you praise. I'll take them out. You go get the stuff. You go get the stuff. But there are too many people standing outside of Jericho walls saying, man, those are big walls. I don't know how I'm going to get in there. Even if I did get in there, there's somebody bigger than me on the other side. Instead of saying, with men, this might be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believes. And so when we come against the wall, we shout. When we come against the army, we blow the trumpet. When we come against the giant, we begin to sing praises to our God. Acts 6 and 23. Paul and Silas just couldn't seem to shut up about Jesus. They said, if you don't quit talking about Jesus, we're going to lock you up. They said, okay, I guess what we'll do is keep talking about Jesus. John Bunyan, that wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, 
The Pilgrim's Progress is the second best-selling book of all time. It just couldn't seem to steal first from the Bible. Come on, somebody. You missed a good place to shout. Bible is still the best-selling book of all time. Thank you, Summer. End of Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan, there was a park near his home, and there was a rock in the park, and he would go to the park every day, and he would climb up on the rock, and he would lift his hand, and he would have his Bible, and he would begin to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they warned him, don't do that. And he kept doing it. And they told him, don't do that again. He kept doing it. So they came and they arrested him. And they threw him in prison for preaching the gospel. You see, you come up here and get in the prayer line and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I say, what can I pray for? And you say, I'm being persecuted. Really? What's happening? They talked about me. They don't like me. They're talking about me. That's not persecution. That's not, that's not persecution. Persecution is what's happening in Ukraine right now. Where the churches have gone underground... And pastors from secret locations are putting out Facebook Lives begging the Christians of the world, please don't forget us. Please keep praying. They report that they're daily seeing miracles. They say that missiles, which should not be able to be moved, are suddenly going the wrong direction and not blowing them up. They say they're vanishing. They say, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. And we listened to one pastor, and he said, you know, we're we're, we're in this place meeting. And so he said, we're still okay. We're... I know people that live here that don't have any problems that think they're not okay, but Pastor Ukraine over here is saying, we're still okay. Keep praying. So they took John Bunyan, and they locked him up for many years. And Pastor Vincent came the day of his release, and they said, we're going to release you. Mr. Bunyan. And they said, when we let you go, do not preach the gospel. And John Bunyan looked at those men, and he said, men, he said, outside of the walls of this prison, he said, there is a park across the street. Do you know the park? They said, yes, sir. 
He said, and in the middle of the park is a great rock. Do you know the rock? I said, yes, sir. He said, when you release me today, he said, I'm going to walk out of this prison across the street to the park. I'm going to climb on top of the rock, and I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give me somebody that doesn't care what anybody says, but knows that time is short on this earth. Somebody says, preacher, when do you think are the last days? I can tell you this, every day is somebody's last day. Give me some men and women. Give me some teenagers. Give me some children that says, I'll walk right out of a prison across the street, climb on the rock, and preach this glorious gospel. And if they kill me, I know where I'm going, but I'm going to take somebody with me. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to praise him no matter what. They told Paul and Silas, they said, we're going to put you in jail. So Paul and Silas kept preaching and they put him in jail. It wasn't, it wasn't a vacation kind of jail like we have now. where they get free education that you'd have to pay for. And they get free health and fitness that you'd have to pay for. And when they put in a request for something that they need that they don't have, then your tax dollars pay for it. It wasn't like that. It was a prison. And in these prisons, they had deep cells where there was water standing in the bottom and you couldn't always see light and you would be chained to the wall and sitting there in your own waist and others. While rats and roaches scaled the walls around you. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. If I was in that position... I would have a whole lot on my mind, but one thing on my mind probably would not be how grateful I was. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Do you remember when Paul said in Philippians, you know, that was one of those prison epistles. Paul wrote about two-thirds of our New Testament. Paul, our apostle of grace. Paul, the one and only that God chose out of everyone else on earth to meet with personally and hand him the new understanding, the understanding of the new covenant, the finished work of the cross, And he wrote these epistles from a prison cell. And this Paul sits praising God and ministering to the other prisoners. 
remember when he wrote in Philippians, he said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Paul was saying, no matter how bad it gets, people should see that you're not freaking out like they do. He didn't say it's not going to get bad. He said, when it gets bad, like it does for everybody, because it rains on the just and the unjust. He said, let them see not that you don't go through stuff, but that when, somebody shout when, but that when you go through stuff that you respond differently. To be a Christian doesn't mean not to have problems. It means that problems don't have me. To be a Christian means I react differently when the storm comes. Yeah, well, Paul wrote that out of the overflow of his heart while he sat right here. And they prayed and sang praise, praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, <laughs> and suddenly, I bet had they moaned and ached and complained, they wouldn't have been a suddenly. But as the praises went up, something changed. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. You see, it's not just your victory that is contingent upon your praise, but you're praising God for your kids and you're praising God for your friends and you're praising God for your church family and you're praising God for the crazy boss that you don't even like. And when you begin to praise God, when you're back, is against a wall, something happens and begins to shake in the spirit and everybody starts getting free. Now, they have a choice on what to do with their freedom. There have been a lot of people that God has blessed and put them in a position. Uh, Romans says that the goodness of God is intended to lead men to repentance, but a lot of them don't take it. But it doesn't mean your praise didn't work. It just means their free will did. You're praising God for your victory. You are praising God for your success. You are praising God to get through. You are praising God for your health. You're praising God for your future, and you're praising God for everybody around you. You must praise the Lord. You must praise the Lord. Your praise actually does something. Listen, you should be praising God all the time for everything he's done. But if you're going through something, you better start praising the Lord. If you are in the midst of it, if you, if you are in attack, if you are in a war, if you are in a battle, you better find somewhere to praise the Lord and just start praising him everywhere. Praise him in Walmart. If you've got to Holy Ghost dance by the bunny bread to get your victory. Let them, let them think whatever they want to think. Let them call you crazy. They said it on the day of Pentecost. Are these jokers drunk? And he said, well, sort of, but not as you suppose. They're just full of the Holy Ghost. And if I got to get full of the Holy Ghost at Plaza Tire, if I got to get full of the Holy Ghost at Aldi, if I got to get full of the Holy Ghost in my front yard, I'm going to praise the Lord and have victory. Let them lock me up. If I've got to praise him in the middle of the hallway at high school, if I've got to pray, I'm going to praise the Lord. I've got to praise the Lord.
If you have a situation that's over your head, you better go over your head and tap into that which is bigger than what's the matter. If you are between a rock and a hard place, pick the rock. Pick the rock. Pick the rock that's higher than I. Whatever it is, whatever it is, start praising the Lord. Praise the Lord in your, turn off that garbage you've been listening to and turn on the praise. It changes the atmosphere. I just like the beat, preacher. I I don't listen to the lyrics. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. There, there's, there's, no way, there's no way around it. Start praising the Lord. Fill your life with praise. Fill your home with praise. Let your children know. When I was a little kid, sometimes in the morning, I'd get up and I would walk in the kitchen. And my mom didn't know she could see me. She was in there cooking breakfast, but her hands were up and tears were running down her face. And I heard her talking in a funny language. My mom was always praising the Lord. I remember my dad coming in from work and he was all tired, but he would come in and tears run. Let it be that you leave a legacy like this that your children say, I saw my mom and dad praising the Lord. I've only got about five people in here helping me this morning. Your, your first step has got to be praising the Lord while we're preaching on a message about praising the Lord. If you will not praise the Lord while I preach a message about praising the Lord, you're not going to praise him by the pickles. If you will not lift your hands in church, you're probably not going to lift them out where everybody else can see you. So this is your practice, okay? But whatever it is, start praising the Lord. Start giving Jesus praise. Start thanking Jesus for being in your life and for who he is and for what he's done, and thank him for Calvary. Thank him for the blood. Thank him for sending back the Holy Ghost. We've got to look at one more in order for me to explain this right. Second Chronicles 13, starting in verse 15. I preached my shoulders stiff. Second Chronicles 13, 15. The men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam. Now, we've got to backtrack. This is at a time where Jeroboam was in charge of the land of Israel. And when we think of Israel, we think about Israel being the children of God, the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob. We think about that line. But Israel was not always behaving themselves. And at this place in history, the Israelites had rejected the way of the Lord. And we find out, Later, I don't know if I have it in mind, but you can read the whole chapter later. We find out later that Israel was actually fighting against God. 
So in here, uh, Israel is not the favored child. Israel is misbehaved, rebel, renegade, the enemy in this story. And Jeroboam was in charge. It came to pass that when they shouted that God smote Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah. And God delivered them into their hand. He said, you're not going to get away. They were trying to run away. And God stopped them and delivered them into the hand of the men of Judah to slay them. And Abijah and his people slew them with a great slaughter. So there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Chosen men. To make a long story short, there was a lot more of them than there were of Judah. There was no possible way in the natural for Judah to win. No possible way. But God gave them instruction. And he told the men of Judah to shout, to shout. I, I don't know. What time is it? I hope you're not in a hurry. What had happened is that they were fighting uh, Israel. Gosh, did I put it here who all they were fighting? They weren't just fighting Israel. They were fighting several. And what happened is that they got to a point in the whole enemy army, all of a sudden they saw in front of them, which would be scary if you only had a few guys. And then as they looked, all of a sudden, that wasn't the whole army. And the rest came behind. So now, everywhere that they look, their few are surrounded by an army of a half million. Probably more. That's how many was slain. There's no way out. There's no way out. So what do you do? What do you do when your enemy has you surrounded? What do you do when he's coming at you now from before he was in front of you, but at least you could see him? But what do you do when your enemy is coming at you from every angle? And now you can't even see all the ways. What do you do when they begin to press in on you and they're getting closer and closer and there's more of them than there are of you and you don't have their weapons and you don't have their skill? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You see, these verses don't do you a lot of good if you don't know what came just before. It was at the moment 
standing on the field when they looked and realized it was over, that our verse starts. That's why it says, then the men of Judah. What is then? It's that moment where there was no way out. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as they shouted, as they stood there shouting praises to God, God smote the enemy. Now, I told you I had to tell you this to explain something. I haven't explained it yet. The men of Judah. We hear that. We know it's the men that came from this place called Judah. But Judah was not just a piece of real estate. Judah was not just a parcel of ground. No, that land was named after the one. Judah. Judah is a person. Judah was the name of the son of Jacob which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, the father of our faith. Judah's dad was Jacob, but Judah's mom was not Rachel because you remember that Jacob worked for Laban for Rachel, but in the middle of the dark night, who came into the tent was old cockeyed Leah. You see, the Bible said that Rachel was fair to look upon. If the Bible says you're hot, if the Bible says you're hot, says Rachel was fair to look upon and beautiful, but her sister Leah, you know why she was looking. I hope this isn't the part where the Bible said, if you add to, you will have added to you, or there will be some plagues coming on me real soon. It didn't quite say like, it said, but she was dull-eyed. And some translations say cockeyed. I'm going with that because it preaches better. So Laban sends Leah in, in the dark. And there may or may not have been a little drinking going on at the festivities before this happened. And Jacob wakes up in the morning, excited to see Rachel that he's worked for for seven years. And he turns to see. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> that ain't baby Rachel. Jacob says, Laban, what did you do? And Laban, Laban knew that nobody had wanted Leah. 
And he said, well, you know that. And Jacob said, I, I, I want Rachel. And he said, I'll work for you another seven years. That's some love. And he did. Anyway, there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot in there. But Leah always felt that. That she was not the, the wife that he wanted. Now, Rachel's womb had been closed up. God, because of Leah's plight, her sadness, God began to bless Leah with children to fill a place in her heart. And Leah did something really cool. Whatever was going on in her life at the time she had a baby, whatever, the circ- whatever she was facing, she named the, the child after the victory. You know, Reuben and Simeon, and sometime we'll talk about what all their names mean in the order and everything. When this baby was born, she said, I give God praise. I give God praise. Judah. Judah. Somebody say, Judah. <laughs> Judah. She named, she named that baby praise unto God. She named him praise. She named him praise. And she conceived again, Genesis 29 and 35, and bare a son, and she said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. Judah means praise. Now, folks have been named after a lot of people. Folks have been named after a lot of things. But what if your name was praise. What if every time your mom hollered for you, she said, praise the Lord. Supper's ready, praise the Lord. Clean your room, praise the Lord. Get back in here, praise the Lord. Don't make me stop this horse and wagon, praise the Lord. You wait till I get out of this wine press, praise the Lord. Should have named him Hellfire, praise the Lord. (laughs) Judah... Judah means praise. It means praise. So she names him Judah. She names him praise. But it also happens that Jesus, years later, 
would come through this very line and that baby Judah would be Jesus, great, 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 great grandpa. That Jesus came from that tribe and from that line. Now back to our story. The men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam. It could read like this. Then the men of praise gave a shout. And as the men of praise shouted, it came to pass. My name may not be Judah, but I can be a man of praise. Your name might not be Judah, but you can be the people of praise. And when the people of praise begin to shout, God shows up and smites the enemy that is before you. I got to give you this, Revelation 5 and verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And behold, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Now, wait a minute. He was just talking about a lion. And when he looks up to see the lion, he doesn't see a lion. He sees a lamb. As it had been slain. Not only does it not look like a lion, it looks like a lamb and one that has been slain. But something strange about this, this lamb, because this lamb had seven horns. Now, can I tell you that Jesus does not have seven horns? Horns are always in the Bible symbolic of strength. Horns mean strength and power. Seven means complete. When he saw in prophetic symbolism that the slain lamb, when the lamb, when the lamb was slain, that all of a sudden it had seven horns, that was a way of saying that Jesus is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful, that he holds all power in heaven and in earth. And he has seven eyes. That means he sees everything. He is the one that sees the whole picture. He is the one that sees in completion. Seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Seven spirits, capital S, Holy Spirit. It's not seven different Holy Spirits. It is the sevenfold Holy Spirit that is sent forth into all of the earth. It is completely God. If you ever wonder what the seven spirits are, it's one who is all, who is complete. 
who is complete. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And this is when Father God handed over everything to his son, Jesus Christ, the slain lamb become lion, become king, become savior of my sin and Lord of my heart. Jesus is that lion that came from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of praise. Now, I told you I was going to explain something, and I just explained it. And it is this. I've been telling you for an hour that when we praise, something happens. I've been telling you that as we shout, God intervenes. That as we worship, God sets ambushments against the enemy. As we sing and blow trumpets, that God brings down walls. As we praise God, that he confuses the enemy and they begin to slay each other. But I didn't tell you why it works, and it works something like this. Whenever we praise, Praise the lion roars. Have you ever watched National Geographic? Have you ever seen what all the animals do for about three miles out when the lion roars? That's my best wildebeest. <laughs> Mufasa's somewhere over here. Whenever the lion roars, everything stops. Whenever the lion roars, everything stands still in the kingdom. And then the enemies get out. So now we know that Judah is praise. Now we know that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now we know whenever we praise, the lion roars, stops the enemy. But you got to let the Bible explain the Bible. Psalm 8 and 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength. Now that's the wrong English word. It's not a bad English word, but it doesn't capture. Do you need another pen, Tiffany? Just go out. Somebody hurry. She's in mid-note. She does not want to miss this. The best translation of this word is praise. Now, the interesting thing is praise and strength are synonymous. To praise is to be strong. But for the sake of what he's trying to convey, they should have translated it in the basis, which was praise. It says this, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained praise. It says, I give the children praise. Praise is a gift that God gives to his children. 
So this verse says, I have given you the gift of praising. Why? Here it is. Because of your enemies. The Bible says the reason God has given praise is because we have enemies. That, get ready, get ready, get ready. Are you ready? Are you reading ahead? You already know where I'm headed. I have given you praise that you would be able to steal your enemy and your avenger. You praise, the lion roars, the enemy stops. I've got a praise that stills the enemy. I got a shout that brings the victory. Any Clint Brown fans? Your praise stops him. He uses the things of the foolish to confound the wise. When the devil is throwing everything at you but the kitchen sink and probably the kitchen sink, and your response is, thank you, Jesus, it confuses him. When you get a bad report and you worship God anyway, the devil says, say what? Your praise confuses the enemy, stops him, stills the enemy. The Bible says that God has given us praise as a weapon. You doing all your fill in the blanks? Praise is a weapon. Somebody say, my praise is a weapon. Now, that was pretty good, but slap your neighbor and tell them, my praise is a weapon. My praise is, my pra- hey, hey, my praise is a weapon. My praise is my weapon. 1 Peter 5 and 8. Um, listen, this is like Pee-wee's Playhouse. We're connecting the dots. Come on, somebody. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says that the devil is walking around acting like a lion. It says, as a lion, looking for who he may devour. So when he comes knocking at your door, you just say, no, you may not. No, you may not. You're going to die. No, thank you. You're going to be broke. Don't believe so. I'm going to take your babies. Not today. Not today. We bounced out. Not today. (sighs) Sorry. So this is interesting because the Bible, when we look at the whole thing, it says that the devil walks around as a lion But then it says, Jesus is the lion. He's an imposter. But Jesus is the real deal. And when we praise, it will stop the enemy in his tracks. It is so important that we keep praising in the battle, that we keep singing in the struggle, that we keep worshiping in the war. Your praise is faith in the middle of your fight. Praise is faith. Praise is faith. Praise is faith. Praise in the storm 
is you trusting God instead of the circumstances. Praise is me resting instead of working. When we fight, we fight with rest. We fight by standing still. We fight by doing nothing. We fight by doing the same thing we would have if there wasn't a fight. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Praise is us handing the fight over to God. Help me, Vince. Just like Jehoshaphat. Just like Gideon. Just like Joshua. Just like Judah. Just like Paul. Just like Silas. You know, we talk a lot about a lifestyle being praise, but there's something so unique and special about the act of praise itself. And somebody has to start praising the Lord. We got to praise him if we're going to make it. We got to praise him if we're going to stand tall. We've got to praise him if we're going to get through. If you're going to be victorious, you better become a praiser. If you're going to win the war, you better become a worshiper. Psalm 100 and verse 1 make a joyful noise. These are Bible commands. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve him with gladness. I know Christians look like they were baptized in pickle juice. Come on. Turn that frown upside down. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us, not we ourselves. We're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. You say you want the presence of God, but you never praised your way in. You've got to thank your way in. You've got to thank your way in. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. Life might be bad, but God is good. Your situation might be hard, but don't let that reflect on God. It's got nothing to do with God. God is good no matter what. You may question a lot of things, but know that God is good. Know that God is good. For the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. That means this Bible will never be out of date. This Bible will never be irrelevant. It's as true in 2022 as it was 4,000 years ago. This Bible is true. Psalm 134 and 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. You know that's a command. And bless the Lord. Psalm 47 says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I heard some things about your church. What, 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 what kind of church? You wanted them uh, shouting, clapping, hand raising, dancing churches? Oh, you mean a Bible church? You mean a Bible church? We better be one of those churches. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart. I will dance like David danced. We better be, we better be one of them. You one of them Christians? Yeah, one of them Christians. The kind the devil warned you about. That's what Carmen said. There is a reason for my roar. 
There is warfare in my worship. There is a purpose in my praise, and there is no shame in my shout. Because you didn't save me. You didn't rescue me. You didn't forgive me. You didn't pick me up and turn me around and set my feet on a solid ground. But he did. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll be always ready with a logical reason for the hope that is in me. And I'll praise him anywhere, and I'll talk about him to anybody, and I don't care who you are. Just because you don't like him doesn't mean that I'm not going to act like he's standing right here and ignore him and be embarrassed of him. No, I'm going to praise him in the, on the mountain. I'm going to praise him in the valley. I'm going to shout it from the, ho- the housetops and from the highways and the hedges. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. I have to praise the Lord. First of all, he's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. Come on. That's the first reason I have to praise because everything he's done. But I also have to praise him because I have learned from those before that deliverance comes when you praise the Lord. That this is how I fight. That this is how I get through. That this is how I battle. I live with a target on my back. If everything's a little too easy, it may be because you're not doing anything. Because the anointing attracts adversity. And when you're doing something for God, stuff's going to come against you. The devil's not going to sit back and twiddle his thumbs and say, well, there they go again, talking about Jesus. No. He's going to tell them to throw you in jail. He's going to come against you with everything. And I regularly have to send the devil right back where he came from. Daily. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, at the end, it said that Jesus resisted him, and it said, and the devil left for a season till a more opportune time. So it wasn't like Jesus said, well, that was tough, but glad it's over. No, it's always until next time. Same devil time, same devil channel. Over and over again. Over and over again. But there is power in your praise. Singers, musicians, would you come? Would you give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise? Today we are flipping the switch from victim to victor. Today we are turning the tables from trouble to triumph. Today we make a decision that no matter what life has handed me, I'm going to praise the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.